morning. Good morning. I thought I was the only one here for a moment. <laughs> Good to see you today. Glad to be in the house of the Lord with you today. If you're visiting with us, we'd love to have you fill out a blue card somewhere in the uh, in the pew around you. Uh, if you're visiting with us online, you can look below the description in the video and find a link to click on. You'll find our, our uh, online bulletin there and you can fill out a connection card. We'd love to have you do that. Uh, just a few announcements today. Uh, next Sunday morning, uh, you'll join us in the fellowship hall for a, a Central Kid Camp fundraiser lunch. It supports our preteen campers. All the money that's donated will help cover the cost of sending our preteens to camp this summer. So please um, set that time aside and be here next Sunday and help our preteens get to camp. And on that note, preteen camp is June the 21st to the 25th, and it's for students that have just completed third through just completed sixth. And if you're interested, talk to Jerry. Notice the age limit. Um, not all of you who want to go can go. So, and I'm talking about adults. It's so much fun to go to camp. You probably miss it. You probably want to go. At any rate, continuing on, tonight is our monthly business meeting, it, and it is your right, your privilege, and your responsibility as a member of our church to participate in these meetings, and I want you to make every effort you can to attend. I think a final announcement is related to Vacation Bible School, um, and that is May 31st to June 4th, and it'll be from 5.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. I do want you to notice that that is, instead of a Sunday to Thursday, that's a Monday to Friday, so that is a switch uh, from previous years, but... We can make switches that are that easy. Um, and this, year, this year's theme is Designation Dig, Unearthing the Truth About Jesus. And if you want to pre-register your children, please wait till the last possible moment, the day before, and go to CherokeeBaptistChurchTX.com. That way, Carrie can wonder about how many students are we going to have come to VBS. <laughs> so if you would please wait till the very last moment so we can stress about how many kids are going to come. No, seriously, if you could go there ahead of time and register your kid, that would be great so that we get an idea of what we need to prepare for. Um, I think that's all of the uh, I need to announce for today. Um, is there any other announcements we need to make at this time? All right. Uh, for our call to worship today, I want to read Psalm 125. This is a song of ascent, which means that um, this would have been sung by pilgrims who were on their way to one of the festivals in Jerusalem. It was kind of their, uh, you think about, you can go on YouTube and you can find a playlist of videos or you can go on, on different music services and you can set up a playlist. This was the playlist that they used to travel. And so if you look in your Bible and you find that from Psalm 120 on through Psalm 120, 130, I'll get there in a minute. 134, those are all psalms of ascent. So this would have been their playlist that they would have sung on the way to Jerusalem. And I think this one is particularly very uh, pertinent to us when we consider what's going on around us. Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. The scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with the evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Peace be upon God's people. Let's turn to the Lord in these days and we will find that the Lord surrounds His people this time forth and forevermore. We are like Mount Zion which cannot be moved but abides forever. So every Sunday when we come to church we declare our unwavering trust in the good God we serve. And because of our unwavering trust, then we can worship Him with joy because our hearts are comforted in this truth. Let's stand and worship the Lord together.
to maybe teach you a new song this morning. And uh, we're going to camp out on this for a couple weeks. So I want to teach it to you this morning. I'm going to sing it over you, and as I'm singing, if you know it, join in. But this is just a song that talks about the truth of who God is and what he's doing, regardless of what the world around us looks like. God's people are turning to him still. Let me sing this and you join in. thought that uh, I wasn't going to mention Mother's Day, but it is Mother's Day, and I hope and pray that um, for you today is a good day. Um, last Sunday morning, 
um, was not only a 7th anniversary of being here, but it was a 14th anniversary of my mother going to be with the Lord. And so we celebrate Mother's Day in different ways. Um, But motherhood was God's idea. Um, It was not our idea. Uh, The culture in which we live does not get to define motherhood. They may think that they can tweak motherhood and fatherhood and personhood like it's a wax nose, but they can't do it. It was God's idea. And it was more than just simply that mom is is the one who uh, brings forth children. Uh, There's more than that, and I want to direct our attention. And I think about this with my own mother. And I hope and pray that you have a similar, um, a similar experience with your mother. And maybe even it's describing um, how things are going at home with you. And if not, um, what a day to start on Mother's Day. Um, this is in Paul's second letter to Timothy. And he's writing to Timothy. And he says, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. I think if Timothy were to be here today, he would probably have a lot of good to say about his mother and his grandmother and the role that they played in developing and and bringing him to faith. Of course, he had to make his own decision, but they influenced him greatly. And the the Bible is full of stories of how mothers were instrumental in the lives of people. We think about uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how if she had been pregnant in this day, Jesus might might not have ever been born because he would have been seen as an inconvenience or a nuisance. But Mary told the angel of the Lord, let it be to me as you have said. And she fell upon the strength of the Lord. And I'm sure that she had opportunity to tell even her own son about how God had worked in her life. You also think about the story of Ruth and Naomi and how uh, both Ruth and Naomi were widows. And how Naomi said, "Where you, uh, Ruth said to Naomi, where you go, I'll go. Your God will be my God, my Your people will be my people. And how instrumental um, Ruth was to Naomi and vice versa. And so we think today about God's great gift of motherhood. And I pray again that today would be a day when we can celebrate our mothers uh, with joy. Um, I trust that some days, um, some mother's days are difficult. Uh, But God's grace is sufficient for our good days and for the days that try us. And so if you would uh, join with me in prayer, as I just say a prayer of thanks and also a a prayer uh, for the mothers uh, that are here, the mothers that we're thinking about in our mind today. We treasure them in our heart and just praise God for what he has done through motherhood. Father God, how grateful we are that motherhood was your design. Um, Through motherhood, we learn so much about you, about how you are the one who loves to nurture. Uh, You're the one who who looks at us with uh, joy-filled hearts. We're grateful that through mothers, you teach us about faith teach us about how to live in strength, teach us about beauty. So Father, we pray that in a day where motherhood is under attack, people will just want to be called mother just because they want to. We pray that on this day, the mothers that we're thinking about right now, that they would be beacons of hope and joy and love in this day. As children, we think about our mothers and uh, perhaps we've had a good experience, perhaps we've had a bad experience, but they are our mothers. And in any case, Lord, we, we need to lift them up in prayer or thank you for them. Father, I, I'm, I'm 
mature on this day as mothers are being celebrated and will continue to be celebrated. Uh, perhaps there will be some nagging thoughts in the minds of some. That they don't measure up. Or there's a place where I could certainly improve. Lord, I pray that you would remove those thoughts from them. Let them know that the one who began a good work in them will be faithful to complete it. Also, remind them, Father, that none of us are perfect. There is no perfect father but you. There is no perfect mother, no perfect parent. And that you use broken and stumbling people to accomplish wonderful things. So we lift up our mothers. We lift up those that are in our hearts right now and commit them to you, Father. And we thank you for them. We praise you for them, God. We love you. We pray it all in Christ's name. Blessed
sing this next song, a song about your love. We're reminded that your word says nothing can pluck us out of your hand. And so, God, our salvation is not here because this is our story. This is our story because you have brought salvation to us. So as we sing this next song to you, be glorified in us, God. Envelop the praises of your people. In the name of Jesus alone we pray. Please take your Bible, turn to the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 
7. We'll be in verses 13 and 14 today. I'm going to bring to you a sermon entitled, Enter by the Narrow Gate. Enter by the Narrow Gate. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you should find a hardback black one somewhere around you in the pew. If you'll turn to the back of the Bible, find page 5. You'll be at Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Could we stand for the reading of God's Word? Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, and this is God's word. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Let's pray together. Lord, this makes things about as clear as they could possibly be. There's one gate that leads to life. The other leads to death. There's one way that is hard. There's one way that is easy. There's one command. Enter by the narrow gate. Lord, I pray that if there are any here today that have never entered by the narrow gate, that today... You would touch their hearts. She would do a work of regeneration in their lives. They would place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They would be born again this day and know that they have entered by the narrow gate. And Lord, that you would continue to sustain them in their walk so that they know that they are on the difficult way that leads to heaven. We thank you, God. You use scripture to convict and to confirm. And we pray that both of those would happen today in our presence. In Jesus' name, amen. may be seated. We have two more Sundays in the Sermon on the Mount. And these last three sections of scripture... They correspond to a way of writing and teaching in the Bible that, that, that is really Near Eastern. You remember in the book of Deuteronomy, where Moses told the people about all the blessings of God, all the things that God had done for them. And remember in Deuteronomy, he's, remi- he's telling this to uh, the children of those who would not believe God, take him by faith, and go on into the promised land. And so Moses is instructing, he's telling the law to a new generation. And he reminds them because there was an earlier generation that they did not enjoy the blessings that God had provided. That was for another generation of people. And he wants to remind them there are blessings for following God. God's Word. We got that at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. You remember the first few verses were, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So on and so forth. So there are blessings at the beginning, and then at the end you find perhaps not curses, but here's what you get if you don't follow God's blessed way. So Jesus is teaching in a tradition that he is well informed about because this is a Jewish or Near Eastern way of thinking. Jesus describes in the text two different gates. Two different gates. The first one he talks about is the wide gate. When we think about this wide gate, I want want you to associate two words with it. And the first word is this, impressive. Um, This gate would be, if we could correspond it to something in the Old Testament, it would correspond to something um, akin in some ways to the Tower of Babel, where the people said, come, let us make something that goes up to the heavens. It's earthly wisdom that seeks to to, um, pass itself off as heavenly wisdom. As good. This gate is an entryway that accommodates everyone. That's the second word I want you to 
associate with this wide gate. This gate accommodates everyone wanting to make their own way. It turns no one away. Access is granted to every false religion or to no religion at all. Access is granted to all earthly demonic wisdom. But it doesn't appear demonic. It just appears that that's the way things happen in the world. This is the way we think about it because we're progressing. We're getting continually smarter and more confident in our ability as human beings to make the right decision for ourselves. We do not need old, outdated, Victorian ways of looking at the world. And for certain, we don't need this dusty old Bible. That's the earthly demonic wisdom I speak of. So this, what, this gate is open to all earthly demonic wisdom or to no wisdom at all. It's also open to every earthly behavior code or no behavior code at all. It is wide and it is accommodating. One of the commentaries I consulted put it this way, the gate leading to the easy way is wide for it is a simple matter to get on the easy road. There is evidently no limit to the luggage we can take with us. By luggage, obviously he means baggage, bad choices. There's no one there to tell us you can't do this. We need leave nothing behind, not even our sins, self-righteousness or pride. Jesus talks about the narrow gate. The narrow gate, one word I want you to associate with it is the word insignificant. Notice in the text how Jesus says that the narrow way is hard to find. Few people find it. Part of the reason it's so insignificant, think also to to how when Jesus was predicted by Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 53, what it said about him was, he had no stately form or majesty that we should see him to be lovely, that we should esteem Him. So people looked at Jesus and saw just run-of-the-mill, average, who is this guy from Nazareth? Who does he think he is? Does anything good come from Nazareth? So they looked over Jesus and did not see Him for who He was. They looked at Him and said, this is an insignificant man. Might be a good teacher, but... He's just in a long list of other teachers. Another word I want you to think about is the word restricting. Whereas the other gate is accommodating and inviting, wanting any and all to come to it, this gate requires something different. Same commentary, the gate leading to the hard way, on the other hand, is narrow. One has to look for it to find it. It's easy to miss. As Jesus said in another connection, it it is as narrow as a needle's eye. Further, in order to enter it, we must leave everything behind. Sin, selfish ambition, covetousness, even if necessary, family and friends. For no one can follow Christ who has not first denied himself. The entry is also a turnpike gate. You know, you ever been to Bass Pro Shops and they have to make you pay, push that turnstile? I don't know why they do that. I'm going to go in anyway because it's Bass Pro Shops. But that is a turnstile gate or turnpike gate. The entry to the narrow gate is a turnpike gate. It has to be entered one by one. How can we find it? It is by Jesus Christ Himself. I am the door, he said. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So there are two gates. There are also two ways that Jesus talks about. A difficult way and a hard way. We'll get to that in a moment. Jesus again is using a wisdom tradition, an old way of talking about how to live wisely and to live a blessed and abundant life in this world. You recall Psalm 1 where it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the seat of scoffers. No, not you can't stand in a seat. <laughs> sit in the seat of scoffers. I'm getting it out of whack. It goes, a walk, sit, stand, sit. I, went, I, was, I got a lot of sun yesterday. So, <laughs> At any rate, in Psalm chapter 1, Jesus 
the psalmist talks about that there are two ways to live. There's the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. So Jesus is not making this up. Jesus does here describe the easy way. By easy, we can think of it in this way. It's broad. It's spacious. It's roomy. It can accommodate a lot of people. And in some uh, manuscripts of Scripture, it combines the words together in the way wide and easy. So it's a wide and easy way. In this way, there's plenty of room for diversity of opinions and laxity of morals. It's a very tolerant way. It's the road of tolerance and permissiveness. It has no curbs, no boundaries of either thought or conduct. Travelers follow on their own inclinations. That is, the desires of the human heart and all of its fallenness. Superficiality, self-love, hypocrisy, mechanical religion, false ambition, censoriousness. None of these have to be learned on this way. In fact, they have to be unlearned. Effort is needed to resist them. No effort is required to practice them. This is why the broad road is easy. There are no obstacles to self-determination. You make your own way according to your own wisdom, your own concept of truth and goodness and righteousness. Furthermore, on this way, there's no persecution or pressure. You see it in our day. What, what do you want to be? Be that. Whether it goes against commonly held morals and ethics that have been around for thousands of years. No, you go your own way. You do your own thing. And who's the one that gets pressured or persecuted? Those of us who stand up in line with thousands of years of moral and ethical behavior. Furthermore, that's based in the Bible. That's why the hard way is hard. It's narrow. Its boundaries are clearly marked. Its narrowness is due to something called divine revelation. God has given us His Word. And it restricts pilgrims on the way to the confines of what God has revealed in His Scripture to be true and good. Wide way, the easy way, just come on. Whatever you'd like to do, whoever you'd like to be, Whatever you think about the world, come on. The hard way, confined, narrowed, according to revealed truth through the Scripture. Now, in in some of my studying this week, there were questions about which comes first, the gate or the way. Does the way lead to the gate, or is the gate the entryway to the way? And I found a quote. Oh, hold on a sec. I'm getting too fast here. The hard way, you'll have to excuse me, I apologize. The hard way demands whole person righteousness. Thanks for being patient with me. The hard way demands whole person righteousness. And we've been talking about whole person righteousness the whole way through the book, uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has said, you've heard it said, shall not lust after a woman or commit adultery. But he says, if you look upon a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery with, in her, with her in your heart. So it's not just outward displays of religion. It's internal righteousness, whole person righteousness. And when a person exhibits that whole person righteousness in uh, connection with convictions that are deeply rooted in the Word of God, then we can trust that it's going to invite for us persecution and pressure. We're seeing it today. When people stand up for truth and righteousness in the public square, or even sometimes... When I say public square, I think about um, like Vivian's doing, going to the halls of, of our state legislature and, and, and fighting for life. I think about that as the public square. But also we are more and more aware that the public square is social media. You post something on fo- social media that you know it's a lightning rod and you're about to get hammered. In fact, you may just get kicked off of Facebook, censorship and all. So the two ways, you've got easy and then you have hard. But then again, the question, which comes first, the gate or the way? Here's a great quote that I found in a commentary this week. It helps us to understand, really, 
When we ask that question, we might be being a little bit more precise than Jesus wants us to be. Which came first, the gate or the way? This is great. This is from F.F. Bruce. He says, Jesus, talking about these verses, is appealing both for an evangelical decision, the gate, and for an ethical endurance, the way. Taken together then, the narrow gate and the tough way are simply, listen to this, the difficult choice for Jesus and the constantly challenging decisions for discipleship to Him. The way that He talks about that, it ought to be brutally clear to us, painfully clear, that there is the gate and the way that we are to pursue. It's not, I want to go through the gate, but I want to kind of do what the rest of the world is doing. That's why there's two crowds that Jesus talks about. There's the many. Notice he says, and we could understand this based on what he's talked about with with the way and the gate. There's lots of room for these people to go through. And there are many people who are on the way uh, that is hard and they've gone through the gate that is easy. But in converse, Jesus says there are few, a small crowd, that find where the gate is and who travel upon the narrow way. Now when we think about this, um, we, we can make it almost sound as like uh, line one forms here if you'd like to go through the narrow gate. Line two forms here if you'd like to go through uh, the, the wide gate. But in effect, it's kind of more like this. this is, I don't know if you can see that or not. That is, I owned this t-shirt at one time in my life. Back in the 90s. This shirt, on the, on the top it says, go against the flow. And on the bottom it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Romans 12.2. You notice that there's fish swimming one way. And then there's this little ichthus, you know, the Jesus fish that we put on the back of our vehicles. And it's going a different direction. And so you see here, in, in this particular t-shirt, it's got a lot of truth in it. You know, it's got the, the ugly, evil shark. You see, he's got the, the nasty teeth. He's ready to get you. Those are the people that we easily can say, okay, they're bad people. We can see they're, they're swimming the wrong way. There's also that other fish that's got that doohickey coming out the top of his head. He's got the nasty teeth also. So we can look at the shark and, and the, the weird fish and go, those are nasty and evil. Certainly they are going the wrong way. But then there's other fish in there that they don't look too menacing. They look okay, right? They don't look like... They, may, they look like ones that maybe you'd want to catch if you're going out fishing. Now the shark, I'm not so sure. And the other one, I think, would freak me out. But you understand what I'm saying here. And then you see the one lone fish that looks insignificant. Just got that one little eye sticking out. Nothing to draw people to it. But they're all in the same water. It's not line one for wide and line two for narrow. We're all in the same line. Everything is all, you'd have to say, in this world mixed together. So how do you know who is on the right way and who is on the narrow way? Jesus says this in in Matthew chapter 13. One day all will be revealed as to who is on the, the narrow way the hard way and who is on the wide way the easy way it says in Matthew chapter 13 verses 47 to 50 again the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind when it was full men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad so will it be at the end of the age the angels will come come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I showed you the t-shirt for for this reason. There are good people that you'd love to have as neighbors. You probably want to have a Pharisee as your neighbor. I mean, you would have, you could have, you know, probably barred a lawnmower from them or a weed whacker or whatever. They would have been great neighbors. They would have kept up their lawn. Their dog wouldn't have barked late at night. They would have been wonderful folks. Swim in the wrong direction. Another point I want to make here, and this is crucial. Don't miss this. 
you can be deluded into thinking you're on the right path. Just because things are going well in your life and you feel like you're blessed. There's only one way that you can enter into heaven. That's why Jesus says there are two destinations. There's two destinations. One will result in destruction and the other one will result in life. I want to go back to destruction. I was reading this morning. Um, you think about how the, the, the wide gate and the narrow way are sort of like the Tower of Babel. It's human ingenuity. It's human wisdom. It's human um, strength. You pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Uh, like the Tower of Babel. You know, in our world, there have been moments where engineering marvels just take your breath away. You think, wow, did, could somebody really be that smart and put something together like that? Have you ever heard of the Three Gorges Dam? Anybody? It's in China. It's the world's largest dam. This thing is huge. I, can't, I don't remember the, the statistics on it, um, but it is a massive feat of engineering. And it is, it is a tribute to human effort, human smarts, human ingenuity. And everybody thought this is the best thing ever. But the Three Gorges Dam is considered one of the world's biggest environmental disasters. The building of the Three Gorges Dam has displaced more than 1.2 million people, caused flooding in nearby towns and cities, and has polluted the nearby water and land, threatening the local uh, cities and towns, or threatening the local plants and animals, and has increased the seismic activity in the area. And it has shifted around so much water, listen to this, that it has slowed down Earth's rotation. Now we're just so smart, we can do whatever we want to, right? We can accomplish so many great things and we can cause so much destruction and not realize that we're on the wrong, wrong road. When Jesus talks about destruction here, he's not necessarily talking about uh, when a person uh, chooses the wrong way and they wind up um, on the road to destruction that there's, they're going to be completely destroyed and they'll, they'll cease to exist. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that when a person dies... They, either, they stand before God in judgment and they will either be brought into God's kingdom through the blood of Christ or they will be condemned to hell for eternity to experience. You're going to experience God there. I don't know if you know that or not. A person who goes to hell will experience God, but they will have none of the good. On this earth, A person is showered with blessings just because God sends the rain on the just and the unjust. For people who are going to hell, this world is the closest they will ever get to heaven and enjoy goodness. But When they find that they stand before God and are condemned to hell, they will see how God in this world has restrained His wrath and His judgment. And they will stand before God and experience His wrath and judgment for eternity. But Jesus says you do not have to go that way. There is a path that leads to life. And it is found through Jesus Christ. Finally, one command, and I'll wrap us up here. There is one command, and that command is this. Enter by the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate. This is true. There is no getting around this. Everyone will enter a gate. Everyone enters a gate. And everyone will enter either by the narrow gate or by the wide gate. There is no other choice. There is no third way. We must stick to that. If you want to find life... Don't try to find a third way where you can have your cake and eat it too because that is the road to destruction. Life is found only through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no other path to life. That's why Jesus says at the beginning of today's verses, enter by the narrow gate. That's the only way that leads to life. But you must know it's not going to be rainbows and puppy dogs. 
See, a lot of people want to come to Christ and they want to have him take away everything that's wrong in their world and bless, bless them with just everything so that they don't have a care in the world. Wanted to make sure that Jesus makes it where they can walk down the street. People not point them out and persecute them, put pressure on them because they belong to Christ. And Jesus says, actually it's Paul, I believe, in, in Acts where he says, through many persecutions we must enter the kingdom of God. And that's a tough thing to say. There was a pastor that Stephanie and I, um, we, were, we weren't members of this church, but he said something one, one Sunday that just blew me away. He talked about how he would meet with people and talk to them about the gospel. And he was taught in his way of doing evangelism to ask a person, to put them on the spot and say, is there any reason why you can't accept Christ today? Trying to get them to make a decision. And if they said, no, I don't think so. He would say, let me help you think about some." And he would talk about what following Christ means. That you deny yourself daily. Take up your cross and follow Christ. That you have to take off the old man and put on the new. That you no longer get to call the shots in your life. That you are now a part of Christ's people, Christ's body, and you have a mission. And Christ has a way of life laid out for you in the scriptures. Now, if you want Jesus just for a get out of hell free pass, you're going to miss out. You're going to think that you can live how you want to live, life on your terms. And think that because you prayed a prayer or wrote a date in a Bible that you're on the narrow way. So if you're going to make a choice for Christ, you need to know it's more than just praying a prayer. It's entering through the gate and walking on the way. Blew my mind when that pastor said that. But he wanted to make sure that person knew. It's more than just making a decision once. It's a decision once that it's another decision the next day I'm going to follow Christ. It's another decision the next day I'm going to follow Christ in my marriage, in my job, with my children, at work, wherever I am, I'm going to follow Christ. What He tells me to do, I want to do. It's not an easy way. It's a hard way, but Jesus does say His way leads to life. Let's stand. We're going to sing this morning. Going to sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And if you need to make a decision while you're here this morning, I encourage you to do so. us of a few, few folks we need to be praying about. Um, I don't know if all of you have heard Juanita Johnson who just lives down the road here. Um, she's about to leave uh, 71 Hospital and um, the doctors have told her there is nothing more that can be done for her. Um, she's been on an oxygen machine that has more or less forced oxygen into her lungs and it's keeping her alive. 
And when they take her off of that and put her on a lesser amount of oxygen, she will start to go downhill quickly. But Juanita has said, I want, I want to die in my own home. So they're about to load her up and try to make it home with her and, and hope that family who wants to come in and, and have a final moment with her that they'll be able to. So we need to pray for Juanita Johnson and her family. We also need to pray for Ben. I believe Ben uh, Campbell made his move down or up to uh, live with Blake and Karen, so pray for that as well. I want to continue to pray that Matt makes a, a big recovery. Um, who else am I missing? Deacons that we talked about this morning. I need to pray for Charles as he recovers from pneumonia. Um, Matt Reyes is on our prayer list. We need to uh, lift him up in prayer as well. Um, Brandy Harris. Um, having some issues with uh, one of her hands and, and arms, and it's causing pain in her neck, numbness. Um, Charlie, we need to pray for Charlie. Charlie lost a brother this last week, James, so we need to pray for Charlie and, and that family. Um, I'll find it in a minute. There was one other person. I can't think of it right now. Oh, well, that's what happens when you go to a and You can't think of it all. Um, but we do need to lift these folks up in prayer. Uh, there are a lot of needs in our community, folks, that are really needing prayer. So uh, I want to say a word of prayer, and then we will uh, dismiss with the uh, Great Commission. And uh, we'll see you back tonight. So let's pray together. Father, we are grateful again so much for the day and for um, the word that you have given us today. Father, no one came down front today. Uh, to give their life to Jesus. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you're done dealing with them. We pray that you do. For all those that we have mentioned here today and ones that I forgot and couldn't get out of my brain today, I pray that you would um, you'd look upon these folks and meet their needs in their time of need. Meet them in abundance, Father. Uh, where there's comfort needed, give them comfort. Where there's peace, give them peace. Where there's physical healing, we pray for that as well. Father, we love you. We thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand together, we're going to say the Great Commission, and then we will be dismissed. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You are